All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Welcome to H2O. I'm sure you're excited to see some of your friends uh, back together. Uh, For those of you who are new or visiting, my name is Joe. I'm one of the pastors here. And yeah, just uh, we hope we saw some of you uh, last week for our vision service. And if you missed that, we would encourage you to check out. um, We have a Spotify uh, page now so you can follow us there. Um, We talked about the upcoming semester and all that God is doing um, in our church this coming year. But um, we hope that you had a wonderful, wonderful Christmas season and stayed safe as well. But we are excited to be back and picking up our series um, in the book of Acts. We're spending this whole school year through the book of Acts. Um, and there's a couple of reasons why we do this. Um, number one, to model the faith of the first Christians. And so if you don't know, the book of Acts actually chronicles the, the beginnings of the, the church and how the, this group of people who learned from Jesus and, and saw his, his ministry, saw his death and resurrection, went out to share that message with others. And so for us, we're, we're a brand new church. We started this August, and so we, we felt like going into this year, we wanted to lay a great foundation as a church and look at the first Christians in order to model their faith. Um, second is we, we want to, in our preaching, we want to allow Scripture to be our guide. And so, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, topical message or felt need series. That's, that's fine. But we mostly, in our preaching, want to approach a text, allow God's word to speak to us from the text. And so through this, you know, we might come across different scriptures. We may not intentionally start to teach, but God's word will lead us in that place as we um, are meeting different texts of Scripture and allowing God's Word to speak to us because Scripture is our final authority. And then third, we want to model to you how to read and apply Scripture to your life. And we hope you're getting a lot from our Sunday morning gatherings and, and from our groups as well, but we hope and we would encourage you, especially as you're entering into this new year, that you would be applying God's Word to your life daily and filling yourself with with his truth as you're reading scripture. And we hope that as we preach, we get to help you in applying and reading scripture in your life. And so that's kind of the reasons we we wanted to go through a full book this semester and go through the book of Acts. And what's really cool too is that the book of Acts is really split up into two sections. It's the first half we were in last semester and we looked at the church in Jerusalem and we got to see how the church grew. But the second half of the book of Acts is how the church then scattered. Because if you remember, in the first half um, of the book of Acts, the church experienced trial and persecution. And because of that trial and persecution, it led to people scattering all across the Roman world and the gospel message spread as well. And so we'll be following in the second half of the year the, um, the journey or the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. Um, and actually, what's really cool, a little personal connection to this, um, I, me and my family in 2019, before COVID all came, we went to uh, Greece on vacation. Actually, my parents are here in the back if you want to meet them at some point. Uh, and uh, we actually went to visit a couple of the places that Paul had a chance to visit in his time. And so when we get to those weeks, um, it would be cool I'll give you a couple insights from things that we saw and we learned from that experience. So we're really excited to walk through that too. But before we dive into today's text, which we're going to be in chapter 13, um, I think it's important to address something that will come, out, come up throughout this semester. And that's specifically 
based on the idea of missions and sharing our faith with others. And, and, and if you think about this, in our culture, most people really have issues when it comes to missionaries and sharing our faith. Um, in fact, uh, uh, something that happened a couple years ago, I think, highlights this frustration. Maybe you remember the story of this man named John Allen Cho. And um, if you don't remember his name, you probably remember his photo, uh, which we can bring up. And if you, need, if you don't remember what happened to him or if you need a refresher, here's his story. Um, John was a missionary, and he was a missionary, and his focus was to reach unreached people groups. And what that term means is that he was trying to reach tribes and groups of people that were disconnected from the rest of the world. And I know it's hard to believe in our modern world with technology and, and news and all this that, that people could possibly be disconnected, but there are tons of people all around the world that are in, in groups and tribes that are still living, and this isn't a derogatory term in any way, but still living in the Stone Age, as it were, and are completely disconnected from the rest of the world. And so this, this missionary, John, wanted to, to do this. He gave his life to Christ and wanted to, to be a part of reaching unreached peoples. And he went to this island off the coast of India, and he, he met with this unreached people group. And, the, and if you remember the story, he was actually murdered by this tribe. And um, the reason that this happened was that this, this particular group was unreached because they were on an island that was kind of distant in the middle of nowhere off the coast of India. And so not a lot of ships travel that way. But also the reason that this tribe has remained disconnected was because anyone that has ever visited that tribe is immediately met with hostility and, and violence. And, and so much so that the Indian government even decided just to say, hey, we're just shutting down. Nobody's ever able to travel to this island. But you'll hear stories over the years of fishermen who end up just getting off course, going to this island, and, um, and usually meeting this tribe um, with some hostility. And if you remember the story, again, John, he went there intentionally. He intentionally risked his life to share the gospel with these people. And their response, again, was hostility, and it, it ended his life. And if you remember this story, again, it made international headlines. It was shared a lot on Facebook, um, and there was mostly negativity towards this event. Many of the responses people said were, why would you do this? Why would you risk your life for something like this? How silly, what a waste. How could this person risk his life and the lives of others in the tribe? These people just wanted to be left alone. Why would he do this? Now, there was some, I think, helpful pushback, um, even among Christians um, and Christian missions agencies. Um, we would typically say it's not wise to do missions alone. And so this person, he was kind of a lone ranger. He kind of went on his own. He wasn't with a group of people. And if you look at even the model of Scripture, how Jesus did um, missionary journeys and how we'll see Paul, he, they were always with people. And I think there's something really good about being in community and being on mission. And so that's a fair critique if you're going to critique that. But that really wasn't the, the main critique from the rest of the world. The main outrage to this event was due to the fact that people were upset that this person would go and try to convert this tribe to Christianity. 
Our culture does not like the idea of missions and trying to convert others to our way of, ways of life, not just unreached people groups, but anyone. In fact, most in our culture would say that no one has a right to tell others what to believe. So you should not try to convert anybody. Now, my surprise from this event, even from talking to other people, was that many people who said they were Christians also held this same belief, which is very fascinating. And if you look at stats, it kind of shows this trend is happening. And it showed um, one stat I saw said that about 50% of young Christians at least somewhat agree with this statement, that it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in the hopes that they will one day share that same faith. That's very interesting, very interesting. And in response to this, um, a pastor that I follow, his name's Tim Keller, um, he shared, he's a pastor in New York City, and he shared this, that if you hold this belief, if you really think about it, you are actually being self-contradictory. Because if you believe that no one should try to convert someone else, what you're really saying is this, that if everyone followed the way you live and the way you view your way of life, that the world would be a much better place. And by saying such a statement, you're actually trying to convert other people to your way of life. Um, Just recently, um, I was watching a show with some family, and this event happened where in the show, it wasn't a Christian show, but there was this Christian in the show that was sharing their, their faith, and Another person in the show came really strongly against them and said, don't do that, and was, was really strongly opposed to this person being open about their faith. And I just, as we were watching it, I was just like struck by the fact that this person who was challenging the Christian was trying to convert the Christian to their way of life, and they just could not see that. And so by holding this view, you're actually trying to convert others to your way of life. And furthermore, let's be 100% honest for a moment. No one lives a life not trying to convince others to convert to their way of life, right? Spend any, a few minutes on TikTok, maybe don't, maybe don't spend time on TikTok, Um, but if you have to, it'll only be a matter of minutes before you come across video after video of people trying to persuade you to follow their way of life, right? Am I wrong? No, I think that's completely accurate. And it's not just Christians, everybody does this. And so you cannot hold Christians accountable to this standard that, one, you're not actually living up to, and no one else is as well. Christians are being open and honest about this. And we're just saying that, yeah, we believe that all the problems in your life are due to a broken and severed relationship with God, and that is the, the root of all the problems in your life. And you have a sin problem and that guilt problem, which hurts you, hurts others as well. And God has made a way for you to be set free from that. Now, we would encourage you to investigate what that statement means. And we would encourage you to continue to ask questions and do that. But, but do not mock others who, want to believe, who truly believe that and want to share that with you. In fact, a story that I've, I've shared before um, about... Um, this guy named um, Penn Gillette, he's a magician, he's with the group Penn and & Teller, and he's an atheist, um, and about a decade ago, he shared this story about this Christian that came up to him and, and met with him and shared his faith with Penn. Again, Penn is an atheist, but Penn said that this moment really touched him, and again, he made a video just um, sharing about this event, 
And Penn said, as an atheist, he said, if Christians really do believe what they believe, that there is a God that made them, that saved them, and that by not receiving this message that this God has given you, there is eternal separation for you, Penn's words are, how much would you have to hate somebody for not sharing that message with others? And he uses the example, if you see that a train is coming, it's going to hit somebody, how much would you have to hate somebody to tell them to get off the track or get off the street if something was going to hit you? And so this message of the gospel is something that is a mandate for us to share as Christians. And it comes from our love. It comes from the love that Jesus has given us. And this is what um, this missionary John believed. He believed that these, this islanders were separated from God. And that this sin would eternally separate them from God. Add to that murder now. Add it to their list of sins. And so John wanted to share them a new way. The message of Jesus. And again, challenge his tactics. But don't challenge his heart and his desire to share this message to other people. And two Christians, if you have held this view... I I would ask you to do some self-reflection. Do you hold this view because of what you come across in the Bible? Or do you hold this view based on maybe what others might perceive about you? And so ultimately, what's your ultimate um, source of authority? Is it the world or is it God's word? And I I would challenge you, if you open um, God's word and you allow it to apply to your life, you will see a God of the Bible that has made every way and every opportunity to redeem us and set us free from our sin, and the mandate is to share that with others. And if you look throughout history, Christians throughout history have been murdered, beaten, experienced trials and disease, difficulties to bring the message of the gospel to the whole world. It's a message that sets us free and allows humans to live the life they were meant to live in perfect relationship with God. Now, there's an appropriate way to share, and we've all seen examples of people who uh, maybe tried to beat the you know, Bible over the head of somebody or, or not been respectful in the way they've prevent, presented God's truth. And there is a humble way to do it. There's a respectful way to do it. And I've never entered a gospel conversation with somebody where it's ended in a debate, where I, I've entered it with love, care, listening, and respect, and just shared, hey, this is what I believe, and allowing the person to respond, knowing that there's nothing I can say that can transform anyone's hearts. Only God can do that, but God wants to use you. And, and what we'll learn, as, again, as we're entering back now into talking about the book of Acts, we'll see how Paul and others model this humble way of presenting this message that changed us, that changed our lives, that changed Paul's lives. If you know Paul's story, he was somebody that hated Christianity, hated the church, but he met Jesus, and Jesus changed his life. And now we get to see the results of that transformation as he's traveling to modern-day Turkey, Athens, Rome, and beyond to share this message of the gospel. And what we'll see as we're in this second half of the book of Acts is we'll see as the gospel spreads, there will be trials, there will be difficulties, there will be people that do not want to receive this message. But we'll see time after time, God will show his victory and that people will come to know the Lord and it will change cultures. It will change the ways people were living. 
And so that hopefully gives us a good foundation as we're entering into the passage today and the passages in the book of Acts in the coming weeks as well. So if you want to flip to Acts chapter 13, we'll jump into today's um, passage, um, and we'll be in the whole chapter today, skimming through um, what God has to teach us. And so Acts 13, um, if, if, if you have your Bibles, you want to flip there, or if not, you can read it on the screen. Just to give a little context, um, Paul and his friend Barnabas, are, we, we see them in this church in Antioch. And um, the Antioch church, it was a church in modern-day Turkey. Um, and um, it's understandable to assume Paul was being trained in this place. As, uh, scripture said he spent many years in Antioch. And if you know anything about Antioch, it, it sent many, many people and missionaries out, um, and many leaders were raised up in this church. And so this was a healthy, multiplying church. And we get to see as we enter into um, verse 2 of chapter 13, where uh, these, uh, the pastors of this church begin to pray, and they feel all led by the Holy Spirit to send out Barnabas and Saul, or Paul is, is, his, is his main name. And so verse 2, it says this, And while they, the, the pastors and the leaders, were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And so from here, Paul and Barnabas begin their missionary journey. And it's interesting that as Paul and Barnabas are going out on their journey, and what we'll see throughout the book of Acts, they're really, they begin speaking to three different groups of people. The first group, if you want to write it down, are, are Jewish people. And, and these are people that um, are part of the Jewish religion. The second group of people are what's called God-fearing Gentiles, or people that wanted to um, find and know about the God of the Bible and serve him. And the third group uh, were pagan Gentiles. And again, non-Jewish people, but really worshipped the pantheon of Greek and Roman gods. And what we'll see throughout the book of Acts, and, and we'll see today too, is that as Paul shares his message, he's speaking directly to these three groups of people, and he is making clear how the gospel meets the needs that these three groups of people are seeking and looking for. And first, the need that the Jews were looking for were two things. One, they, they, they were aware that there was a weight on them. And if you know about the Old Testament and the Jewish religion, there was many, many laws that people had to follow in order to be saved. And so this, these laws for the Jewish people were a burden to them because, and I, I can't remember the exact number, but there's over 600 laws that people had to follow, and that's a lot. And so the, the Jewish people were aware of, man, there's no way I can be perfect and follow all these laws. And secondly, the Jewish people were looking for this coming king, this coming Messiah who would fulfill all of the laws and the prophets and that actually would make a way for all people to be saved. The second group of people, God-fearing Gentiles, were not Jewish people, but who wanted to follow the God of the Bible. But because they were non-Jewish, they were limited in their opportunity to fully experience God. There was a separation, as it were, that they were very aware, because they were non-Jewish, that they were not fully able to be a part of the family of God. And there was a hindrance there. And, and no matter how much they you know, practiced their faith, they could not fully get over that hump and be fully welcomed in. 
And then the final group, Gentile pagans, were people that weren't even aware of the God of the Bible or were not seeking him at all. And again, where they were following the Greek pantheon of gods. But they were aware that they had sin and evil in their lives. And they were also aware that the Greek pantheon could not help them in being healed from that sin and brokenness in their lives. And if you follow, you know, um, Greek, uh, Greek history or um, Greek mythology, you're pretty aware that uh, gr- Greek mythology, the gods were not necessarily good pe- people. They were, if anything, just regular people with powers in a way, but they could not save people from their sins. And so Paul um, is, is keenly aware of this. And as he's sharing this message of the gospel, he's sharing to these three groups of people. And so just keep that in mind as we, again, talk about this this semester and as we're talking about this passage today, that all these people had a need for the message of the gospel. And when Paul shared it, many were ready to receive it, but also some people did not want it. And that's what we'll see. And so um, moving on to the text. And so Paul goes from um, Antioch, and they go to the island of Cyprus. And so if you like maps, this is kind of a good visual of where Paul was going from Antioch to this island of Cyprus. And then we'll see at the end of our passage today, he'll end up back in modern-day Turkey. And so they head to Cyprus, and first they begin to talk to um, some of the people in Cyprus. And many of them were Jews, but also pagan Gentiles. And specifically, they begin to talk to um, the leader of the region, and the passage says that he was a man full of intelligence. Um, and it, so clearly he did not seek after God, but something about Paul's message really spoke to him, and he wanted to hear more. And so he invited Paul and Barnabas over to share this message. But there was some pushback, and there's, in the story, there's this magician who, who was a Jewish magician, and he really um, was hostile towards Paul and Barnabas. And in the story, this magician was struck blind. And this, this miracle, in such a way, really opened many people's eyes that something was happening, that God was doing something here, and they wanted to hear more. But after this moment, Paul heads to, uh, back to mainland modern-day Turkey and meets at this Jewish synagogue, and he begins to share the message of the gospel to Jews and Gentiles. And this is where we'll hang out most of our time today, is talking about this message and how it can apply to our lives. And so first, Paul shares um, the history of the Jewish people. And this is similar to Stephen's speech, if you were with us and you remember uh, Stephen's speech. And Paul talks about this king, King David, who is the greatest of Israel's kings. And he shares about this prophecy throughout the Old Testament that there would come one who would come from the line of David who would be a king that would unite the people of God and that he would be a savior. And in verse 26, Paul says that this, that brothers, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God, so Jews and Gentiles, to us has been sent this message of salvation. And he begins to share about Jesus and he shares about his earthly ministry and dying on a cross and that the religious leaders rejected Jesus. And in verse 28, he says, And though they found no guilt in him worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from a tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And so Paul shares that Jesus lived a perfect life. 
But the religious leaders wanted to come against him, and they killed him. But death could not hold him down. And so evidence for us as Christians of Jesus being the way of salvation and living the perfect life for us is that he was raised from the dead. Again, that death could not hold him down. And he talks about the resurrection and talks about how Jesus then appeared for many days after his resurrection, meeting with people. And in verse 38, it says, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that though this man forgives sins, is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is free from everything which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. And so this is really cool because, again, Paul is speaking to a Jewish audience who were understanding that the law was a heavy burden. And Paul is saying that, hey, I'm setting you free from that. You don't have to carry that burden anymore. Jesus actually lived the perfect life for you. And so if you trust in him, you can be set free from this burden upon you. This message was powerful, especially to Jewish listeners, that God made a way to save people that they could be set free from their sins and the burden of the law. And after sharing this, people wanted to hear more, so they invite Paul and Barnabas back to hear more about this message. But trials came, and people pushed back from this message. And, and Paul says that this message came to the Jews first, but now it's spreading throughout the whole world. In verse 47, it says, For the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light, to the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And so this message of salvation is spreading throughout the whole world. Finally, the veil is broken. Finally, if you are somebody that's seeking after God, you can come to him. And, and, and in this passage, it says that the Gentiles celebrated this message with great, great joy. And this message was good news. That's what the gospel means, good news to people. And so after a time of turmoil, Paul and Barnabas um, went to the next town, and, and, and they continued to travel, sharing this message with others. And as, as they traveled, some people received it and, 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 and wanted it. Some people were just saying, hey, I just want to hear more, and, and some people rejected it. And we'll, again, we'll see that pattern throughout the rest of the book of Acts. And so a big question, you know, how does this passage apply to us? Um, well, first, um, jumping back to the beginning of chapter 13, I think it was special that this church prayed over Paul and Barnabas. And it reminded me a lot of when many of us were sent out. Um, for those of you who don't know, we planted this church a few months ago. Um, and before we uh, planted, we were prayed over by our church up in Bowling Green. And some of us hit, were at Bowling Green's H2O, and some of us were at some other ones, but that moment was really special. And I think as I was thinking about this passage, I was thinking about our little church, and as we're forming and, and building a foundation that's following um, what the apostles laid before us, um, I hope that one day we could send out a church plant as well. And last week during our vision service, I talked about maybe a couple places we could go, and maybe five to seven years we could plant our own church, and maybe even some of you could be a part of that. But I think that's, that's important that as we're being sent out, just being encouraged and prayed over. But also, I, moving forward, I was thinking about just where you might be at 
with this gospel message, that this gospel message is something that is freeing, and God wants to give you this truth. And, and again, I shared some of those, those three different groups of people. I think many of us here are also in those three groups of people. Maybe you grew up religious, or you grew up in church, or, um, and, and you were aware of the fact that you needed to be a good person, that you needed to follow uh, laws and, it's, and, and trying to be as good of a person that you could be. And I can just say this, I'm sure it's a heavy burden. And you're keenly aware of the fact that no matter how good you are, you cannot save yourself. And so Jesus is offering you a path of salvation and turning to him and to trust in his works, not in your works alone. Second, maybe some of us are seeking after God, but there's something that's holding you back. Maybe there's some sin in your life, or maybe there's something that you've done that you feel like, man, God can never accept me. If God knew, if people knew about this, there'd be no way that people could accept me. But here's the thing, that curtain is broken. God has made a way for you. And no matter what you've done, Jesus has paid the ultimate sacrifice for your sins. And Jesus wants to offer you freedom. And we want you to know this is a welcoming place. We want you to explore what this message of the gospel means and, and, and really continue to ask questions. But know that barrier is broken. And finally, maybe this is a brand new message for you. Maybe you're in a spot where maybe you've heard a little bit about Christianity, but this is maybe the first time where maybe some things are becoming clear. And, and again, we would encourage you to continue to ask questions, continue to investigate. Is this really true? Because if it is true, it has eternal impact on your life. And we would encourage you to take time to really ask, what does this mean for you? It doesn't mean you have to receive that today. Maybe it does. But, but if there's something tugging on your heart, maybe that's God speaking to you to continue to ask questions and seek this out. We all are in need for a healthy relationship with the God who made us, and he's made a way for you to receive and trust him. And so as we go out and as we, as we um, close today, I think it's important to ask ourselves two questions. And, and these two questions, I think, highlight what this message is all about, and again, what we'll be hitting on throughout the book of Acts. Number one, have I responded to this message? Have I truly responded to this message? And I would even ask yourself that, even if you've grown up in church, have you actually received this message of freedom of the gospel? And secondly, am I ready to trust God and share this message with others? This message is good news, and people are living their lives not aware of it, and need to hear it, and as a mandate for us as Christians to share that with others. And so as we close today in worship, I, I would encourage you to, to ask yourselves these two questions, and maybe talk about it with someone else. Talk about it with someone in your groups or in your life um, to, to, to really investigate. Have I responded to this message? Am I ready to trust God and share this message with others? And so with that, um, the band will come up, and we'll close in prayer. Lord, we're so thankful just for the chance to gather together today. Thank you for the message of the gospel that sets us free from the bondage of sin and death in our lives. Lord, we just pray that you would use us. We even pray that you would continue to send out missionaries throughout the whole world. Help us, Lord, when we feel weak or not able to just share what you've done in our lives and trust you every step of the way. We thank you, Jesus, for the cross. We thank you for making a way for us, for dying for our sins, 
in making us new. Help us to be a church that, again, models the faith of these first Christians and to be bold and that you would use us. Thank you for the chance to gather today and worship you. Help us just to take a closer step to you. And thank you, Jesus, that you're pursuing us so much and help us just to walk closer to you. So pray all this in your name. Amen.